Welcome to the Amkiss podcast brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast to find out more about the people behind Amkiss as we hear from member schools and the Amkiss board. And in this episode, we're diving into Kingston Grammar School as we speak to registrar Jody Shalgoski. Now, as the school's registrar, Jody has been associated with Amkiss for a number of years, and she's also great fun. So in this episode, we hear all about what she did before working in school admissions, her experience in being an Amkiss member, and what her thoughts are on the annual conference in May. And I think you're going to like this episode, if only to hear all about the different careers that Jody enjoyed prior to working in the independent school sector. So let's not waste any more time, but come with me now as we speak to registrar at KGS, Jody Shalgoski. Jodie, welcome to episode number two of the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you today? Yeah, great. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, really looking forward to getting stuck in. I had a, a kind of busy day at work, as always. We did our interviews at the weekend. So today is just kind of regrouping after that and getting everything ready, as probably most admissions people are. So got that done and then got home to ready to talk to you. Well, I appreciate you being here, especially given that this is what just gone six o'clock on, on a Tuesday evening. So I appreciate you giving up your personal time to do this. It's very good of you. First of all, just tell us a little bit about the school where you're at and what you do there. Yes, so I'm from Kingston Grammar School, or also known as KGS, and I'm the senior registrar there. So I kind of, you know, run the admissions process and in charge of of keeping that, managing that and making sure it runs smoothly and also developing it as well and, uh, you know, making sure it's the best possible process it can be. We are a co-educational independent school based in Kingston, kind of uh, quite an urban school, but we've we kind of one of those schools that have got the bit of the best of both worlds in that we are a very urban school and we are very much in the middle of Kingston but we also have some beautiful grounds out by Hampton Court so we've got the benefit of both worlds so which is something mm. that can attract people to the school. And do you enjoy being in a kind of an urban area as opposed to being you know in you know North Yorkshire or somewhere like that? Absolutely I actually joined from uh, the previous school was very much set in kind of 22 acres of land and beautiful manor house so it was going to be quite a culture shock for me when I moved over to KGS so I wasn't quite sure what to expect but I absolutely love it It, you know being in the middle of the town being able to just kind of pop out at lunch go and get yourself a pretz or something it is Mm -hmm. fantastic and it's it's very busy and bustling as well which is great and the the kids Mm -hmm. are kind of coming in on the public transport in the mornings and there it's just great to see them all coming in and also going out after school into Kingston and kind of getting their independence being in an urban environment so actually I I love it I really love it. So tell us then how long you've been at the school for and also how long you've worked in the wonderful world of school marketing for. (laughs) Well I'm actually in admissions at KGS we've got a marketing department and admissions department so we kind of keep that fairly separate we do cross over but I've mainly always worked Mm -hmm. in admissions I uh, I've been at KGS now for nearly three years Mm -hmm. I joined yeah, kind of. I think it was in the October. I think I joined joined KGS, and uh, so I joined mm-hmm. just before it was about to kick off with the entrance cycle. So I joined right at the busiest time, which was great. Kind of threw myself in at the deep end, and I joined from a school previously where I had been an admissions officer, so not quite as senior as a registrar. So it was a bit of a, a jump for me and a leap to jump into a really kind of quite big co-educational school admissions process and, and suddenly be in charge of that. So that was quite daunting, mm. but. Uh, Mm. Really, really enjoyed it and, and I've loved the step up and I've loved being able to kind of make more of the bigger decisions when it comes to admissions. And so mm. I think in total, I've been in it about eight years now. Uh, so I don't think it's okay. it's going... I've had I've had quite a varied career and I don't tend to stick in careers that long. So eight years for me is is huge. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. This sounds interesting. I, I need to unpack this. What, <laughs> what did you do before admissions in schools then? Oh my gosh. So I first started out, I, I went to dance school. So I was going to be a dancer, a professional dancer, contemporary dancer at the Laban Centre. Convinced my parents that that was all I ever wanted to do. And that was my life. I was going to be a dancer. And they kind of begrudgingly supported me and got me through that. And then halfway through that, I decided I didn't want to be a dancer anymore. I was going to be a florist. So oh. <laughs> so I, I left dance school and became a florist, much to my parents' dismay again. And then uh, I did that. I did that for quite a while, actually. I, I kind of jumped around a bit, but I, I did stay there for quite a while and ended up teaching floristry in, in Marlborough in London. I really loved that. But then again, got, got a bit bored. So I moved on. And I think from there I had... Oh, no, actually, from there, I have my son. Oh, how could I forget that? I have my oh, son, right. yep. which took a, mm-hmm. took a career break there and then decided I wasn't going to go back to floristry. And I then decided I was going to be a midwife. So oh. I became... Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So I decided then that, that that's what, what was for me. I became a maternity care assistant just to see, you know, dip my toe in it. And really, that only lasted <laughs> six months because I very quickly realised it was not for me. <laughs> I am not built for night shifts and that became apparent very quickly. So I left that for, actually I left that for my admissions role at um, school, having never worked in an independent school before, having never worked in admissions, not having a background in it at all. It it really was learning from nothing and Mm. building it up. And and then, and I have actually just ended up sticking with it because I I really actually love Mm. it. I'm really, really, which is going to probably sound crazy to most people out there in admissions. How can you love this job? But I do, I really do. Mm -hmm. So you say that you had no experience at all of independent school. Did you did you go to an independent school when you were younger or did you go to state school or something else? No one in my family had ever been to an independent school. I knew nothing about them. And I think at that point I had no intention of sending my child to independent school either. So I kind mm-hmm. of fell into it. And I remember my first year being there and walking around and suddenly realising the difference uh, and what was mm. on offer at this school and what was on offer, you know, from an independent education. And then I had the scary job of going back and convincing my husband and saying, you know, we said we'd never send our kid to private school. Well, mm. <laughs> and that's a kind of the very long, arduous job of convincing him to do that. And so the, we did and we ended up mm. getting my son into the school I was working at. And, and that's kind of continued from there. So mm. no, I, I had mm. no experience of it. But but very quickly fell in love with the whole independent education sector. And I'm going to make a presumption your husband didn't go to an independent school either when he was younger. No, definitely not. It was totally alien to both of us. It it wasn't a world Mm. that we'd ever been in. We hadn't experienced, we didn't even really have any friends that had been to independent school. So it was completely Mm. new for us. Did you have any preconceptions about what an independent school was when you were younger? You know, because I mm. imagine that when you were younger, you may have you may have known that they existed, but you didn't really know much <laughs> about them at all. And and I'm I'm asking this because I didn't go to an independent school either, mm. and, and 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 I can remember having some friends who did, and I just kind of I sort of thought that it was a little bit weird. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I had any preconceived ideas. I just I didn't understand it. I didn't actually think it was going to be that different you know and then then you have the kind of stereotype in your head as well don't you think oh you know it's going to be lots of very wealthy families and that's what it's gonna be like and then Mm. I think when I got there and realized it wasn't all just wealthy families and there were a huge kind of range of social diversity there as well that was really you know Mm. quite refreshing and, and that's what I found really interesting okay so let's look at AMKIS then what's your experience of being an AMKIS member so 
both schools that I've worked at in admissions have been AMCIS members and uh, I've attended conferences and uh, lots of kind of networking sessions as well. I would say my involvement with AMCIS has kind of become, I don't know how to put it, but kind of stronger over the last year and a half, over over COVID. Um, mm-hmm. AMCIS, is, instead of being something that you know, occasionally I'd, I'd go to an event or occasionally I'd see something advertised by MKS. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go to that. I think they've they've been a bit of a lifeline really for me over COVID mm. and they've mm. it's been such a fantastic network of support of people that do, you know, they, they do the same job as you. They, they can understand it and not many people can understand what it's like to work in admissions and, you know, to have their, that support there, I've really kind of loved that to have that from them over the last couple of years it's been brilliant you know the the bubble meetings I don't know if you know about the bubble meetings but they've just been Mm. brilliant we got Mm. kind of matched up with schools that aren't direct competitors of ours so we were in a really kind of relaxed atmosphere where we felt we could talk really openly and once a month we would meet and I really found those so useful just to talk to other people and go, oh, has this happened to anyone else or is anyone else dealing with this? Mm. And has anyone got a good idea of how to deal with this? And, you know, we'd all helped mm. each other out. We were all there to support. There was no people kind of trying to hide their ideas because they didn't want anyone to know because we weren't, you know, competitors. We could just talk really openly with each other. And that I found mm. essential, absolutely essential over the over the mm. lockdown period. And And I think I kind of become more and more involved with AMKIS because of that, I think. Interesting. I, I was about to ask you how important you think it is to network with other schools that aren't competitors, but I, I, you just kind of answered that on, on your own. Of course, a number of schools aren't AMKIS members and may not have had that benefit of being able to network with other schools that aren't competitors. I mean, clearly you feel like that's an important thing. I mean, maybe there, there, there should be some kind, of, some, some kind of system, some kind of scheme where other schools are able to connect and... Mm. Well, maybe they should just become AMCIS members, actually. So <laughs> I was going to say, there uh, is. AMCIS. <laughs> they'd enjoy that benefit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is turning into an advert no, for AMCIS. Uh, it's not meant to be that at all. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. No, I, I, you know, if anyone, I mean, sometimes schools can, you know, form their own little connections and in local areas or something, if they're not direct competitors, see if you can make connections with other admission staff or registrars from schools that you would be happy to maybe meet once a month or even just have a Zoom call once a month. Because I have found it absolutely mm. invaluable. And just to know that mm. everyone else is going through the same thing that you're going through <laughs> and dealing with the mm. same problems that you're dealing with is, is just, yeah, it makes you feel a whole lot better. Okay, so let's talk about the annual conference then. For mm. people that might be AMCIS members and they're, they're trying to decide whether or not to attend the conference, why, in, in your experience, do you think attending the conference is a good thing to do? again I think networking plays a big part in it you know obviously there's lots of talks and there's lots of discussions but there's also the the downtime when you get to socialize with everyone and chat and you know and I obviously we had the conference online so we I think there were breakout rooms it wasn't but it wasn't quite as easy but obviously once it's back in person just to be able to meet with people again discuss everything and you have that common bond with them already because they already understand the world you live in and the world you probably spend more time in than you do actually at home. So um, mm, you, mm. you already have that connection. So it's really easy to talk to people and start conversations. But then also just the wealth of information that you can get from the different speakers, the different points of view um, that come across. And I still have speakers that I can remember from different events that I've attended from AMKIS that still, uh, you know, 
kind of stick in my mind. And I probably couldn't tell you their names, but I remember the talk and I remember different things that I still remember and still use today. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that that's why I would recommend it. It's just kind of development, but networking as well. I think networking is absolutely key. Tell us something about the exhibition area. And, and I'm trying not to be biased here at all, because sometimes <laughs> I'm at the AMCIS conference as an exhibitor. But but tell me what it's like as a as an amcus member as a as a mm-hmm. conference delegate when you're interacting with exhibitors and, and and i guess what i'm getting at here is you know what can exhibitors do in order to make the whole conference a better experience for the members who come along oh well that's a tricky one <laughs> i don't know i mean it, it is good already because you, you get to mill around and you get to kind of pick and choose who you want to speak to I mean some people go to the conference already with people in mind already that they want to go and talk to they know they're exhibiting so they're going to go straight there and find them but I'm guessing the majority of people there are just going to wander around they're going to take their time and usually they'll be uh, attracted to that stand that's probably you know got something on show maybe something a bit different something they've not seen before technology seems to be key anything kind of bright and flashy and I'm there I'm just, <laughs> as soon as I see anything kind of if there's technology or something for me to play with I'm, I'm straight there when I'm at somewhere like that I don't like to be pressured I don't like people to kind of jump on me as I walk past and try and drag me in but I also need people to be approachable mm. so that I think oh actually yeah I could easily go up and have a chat to those people uh, and see what's going on but it, it is very difficult isn't it you know we, we do it as well when we go to future school fairs and we're there competing mm. with a 30 different schools that have got their stand and uh, how, how do we make sure parents come and see our stand and it is very hard to mm. differentiate yourself and stand out you know there's all the people that give out the free gifts and there's all the you know the the paper that goes out but I mean we actually took a bit of a different stand on it this year um you know we're, we're doing a lot of work with the climate change and environment and we've actually taken a stance on think before you print um, and so we've actually got rid of all our printed publications. We've got rid of anything mm. that's non-recyclable. So when we go to these events, we have a very small stand. And actually, mm. because we're the only stand that is very small, people are like, why is their stand so small? And then they come over mm. and talk to mm. us. And they're like, why Why haven't you got? And we're like, oh, well. And then we talk to them about why we're, you know, think before you print. We don't want to give you bags and bags of paperwork. We don't want to give you all of this. Here's a QR code. Scan it. And it's got all the information on it. We've only kind of rolled that out very recently, but it, it's been very successful. So it's kind of just mm. thinking a bit differently about what's going to catch people's eye and actually sometimes mm-hmm. doing something quite different and, and thinking outside the box to kind of reducing your stand to something like, you know, with an empty table with a QR code on it, people were like, oh, <laughs> what's mm. that? And it piqued their interest. Yeah. So thinking yeah, like that, yeah. really. So I think that's useful information there for exhibitors, but also for schools and thinking about, like you mentioned, when schools go to exhibit, because it is exactly the same kind of concept, isn't it? You know, you're, you're there with an exhibition stand, you've got your space and there are people who are there and you're, you're hoping to catch their attention. You want to get that balance right between being useful and being helpful and giving them what they might find of benefit while they're at the conference. But equally, you don't want to sort of hassle people. Of course, some people come along to the conference on the Sunday afternoon. Is that something you usually do or do you normally come on the Monday morning? Oh, I believe I normally go on the kind of Monday morning and go along to it. It's, it's, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since <laughs> yeah. I've gone because of COVID. I mean, obviously we did it online recently. But yeah, I think I normally go up on the on the Monday morning. 
And of course, in the past, it's always been, well, not always, but the last few years has been in Nottingham. Now we've got a change of venue. Are you going to miss the place in Nottingham? I think so. You know, you have, there's familiarity there, good memories, but it's always exciting to try something new. And I think this, this year and this last year and a half, as if it's taught us anything, it's to try th- new things and embrace them. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All up for change. Completely yeah. used to change by now. Doesn't, doesn't phase us anymore. Yeah. yeah. Although saying that, I think a lot of people are desperately keen to be back at a real event instead of yet another Zoom. So, uh, you know, Zoom is good. You know, we 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 know we all know Zoom. We love Zoom or Teams or Google Meet or whatever <laughs> people use, but but there's no no replacement, especially for a, an event like this, than people coming along and meeting up in real life and you know having a drink together and just having fun. Jody, tell me tell me two things you love about your job. I'd love to know one thing that's kind of a serious sort of thing, and the other that's completely <laughs> not serious. <laughs> And well, everyone that works with me will know this, but the one thing I love about my job is spreadsheets. Now, I I know that sounds completely (laughs) nerdy, completely geeky, but I am mad about spreadsheets and it is the part of my job that I love the most. I am a, a, a puzzler. I am a problem solver. And mm-hmm. Excel spreadsheets just seem to solve the majority of my problems. And I love mm-hmm. nothing more than someone coming to me and saying, Jodie, you need to schedule 300 interviews and you need to do it in a week. And all you can do is do it in the teacher's free periods. Off you go. And I'm like, right, <laughs> OK, I can do that. And then I get my spreadsheet and I'm off. And I love it. And I really do love it. Mm-hmm. And so, so anyone that works with me or has ever worked with me in any of my varied careers will know that if there's a spreadsheet going, I'm there. I think for kind of a more serious side to my job, I and seeing this kind of more and more is being able to give people the opportunity for an independent education that probably would never have thought of that, would, would never have thought of going mm. down that route just because they thought it was out of their reach. And working in admissions and being able to kind of speak to these people and say, no, look, this isn't, you know, this isn't out of your reach. You can absolutely do this and we will do everything we can to mm. help you get there. I love that part of my job and there's nothing better when I see a candidate go through that when they started were like I just you know we're not going to be able to do this we can't afford this we can't we, you know everyone else is being tutored how you know how are we going to do it we can't be tutored and I say you don't need to be tutored you know it's mm. going to be natural for your child and you don't need to be able to afford it we've got bursaries you know if, if you're right for it if you're suitable for the school and this is the best school for you we can do this and I think seeing them through that journey is is just so mm. rewarding so rewarding I'm impressed with both answers. Uh, I, I I won't lie. When you gave your first answer, I thought that was your serious one. I thought the Excel spreadsheet was, was the serious one, and I was I was waiting for the slightly not serious one. But but no, you've you've leveled up on that, Jody. You really have. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I excellent. used to work with a guy who was a finance director, and he mm. I I used to believe that he thought in you know the way that you go to France, you end up thinking in French if you've been there for yeah. long enough. And, and and I honestly used to think that he would think in 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 Excel because he 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 used to love it so much but yeah, I used I, to see I, him I zipping that. around a spreadsheet and 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 I would often ask him how he did certain things and then just learn from him the whole time and 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 he you know it, it was it was a real craft seeing him use it so clearly uh, you're you're in that camp as well so I'm very <laughs> impressed Oh, I, I, there's nothing more than me going, can this spreadsheet do this? I don't know. Google it mm. and going, yes, it can. And then working out how mm. to do it mm. makes my day. Yeah. <laughs> and Jodie, just tell me one thing you enjoy doing at the weekend. You mentioned that you have a son and a husband. Do you enjoy family time or do you, do you have other hobbies that don't involve the family? 
Yeah, I mean, this might, I don't know if this will surprise you or not, but I'm quite heavily into kickboxing. So I. Given uh, what you said earlier, I'm not surprised by that at all, actually. (laughs) 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 No, I am. I I mean, I I, I love kickboxing, I love martial arts, and my son's actually heavily into it as well. So we, we both do that together. I am in the final stages of my brown belt for kickboxing so hopefully going for my black belt probably next year now we've got about another year of of kind of intense training but i'm going for it so that's probably my main passion i i have lots of different things i can jump from kind of one thing to another that doesn't really seem to fit in the same category and that I, I love kickboxing I also love doing jigsaw puzzles which don't seem to mm-hmm. fit in the same box but I also <laughs> love gaming as well um I play a lot of computer games uh with my son um specifically Assassin's Creed love Assassin's Creed <laughs> so I kind of jump around a bit yeah lots of varied things but yeah that's probably what you'll find me doing at the weekend is a kickboxing lesson coming back doing a bit of a puzzle and then playing Assassin's Creed I'm I'm very impressed. You've got to be the coolest registrar I think I've ever spoken to in my life. <laughs> uh, oh, Jodie, we need to bring this to a close in a minute. But if anybody wants to find you online on social media, what's, where's the best place for you mm-hmm. to hang out? So uh, I, I'm on LinkedIn. I must admit, um, I, I'm not a huge user of it. I, I dip in and out of it every now and again. But the life of being a registrar is is incredibly busy and I don't find myself on there too much. But LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thanks for giving your experience of what it's like being an AMCIS member and for sharing bits of your life about Excel spreadsheets, kickboxing <laughs> and uh, being a florist and everything else. Thank you for your time, Jodie. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Simon. So that was Jodie Shalgoski, registrar at KGS, AMCIS member and an all-around thoroughly great person to speak to. Thank you so much, Jodie, for coming on to this episode of the podcast. So good to hear all about your background. And also, just to note that you don't actually need to be an AMCIS member to attend the annual conference. So if you're not yet a member and you wanted to check it out with no commitment, then it could be a really good opportunity for you. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. That's us. We provide podcasts for school marketing. That means that your school could have its own podcast as a way of connecting with your school community, such as current parents, pupils, staff and your alumni network. Deeper connections ultimately lead to more prospective parents, and that's never a bad thing. To find out more, just visit thebonjouragency.com or ask Tori, and I'm sure she'll put you in touch with me. I'm Simon Jones. But that's enough about us. Thank you for listening to this episode. The next one will be out soon, so make sure you follow or subscribe so you don't miss out, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.